Chapter Three of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume Three, Part One, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The interview. Raoul made one step towards the girl who thus called him. But, my horse, Madame," said he. "Oh, you are terribly embarrassed. Go yonder way. There is a shed in the outer court. Fasten your horse and return quickly." i obey madame raoul was not four minutes in performing what he had been directed to do he returned to the little door where in the gloom he found his mysterious conductress waiting for him on the first steps of a winding staircase are you brave enough to follow me monsieur knight-errant asked the girl laughing at the momentary hesitation raoul had manifested the latter replied by springing up the dark staircase after her they thus climbed up three stories, he behind her, touching with his hands when he felt for the banister a silk dress which rubbed against each side of the staircase. At every false step made by Raoul, his conductress cried, Hush! and held out to him a soft and perfumed hand. One would mount thus to the pelfrey of the castle without being conscious of fatigue, said Raoul. "'All of which means, monsieur, that you are very much perplexed, very tired, and very uneasy. But be of good cheer, monsieur. Here we are, at our destination.' The girl threw open a door, which immediately, without any transition, filled with a flood of light the landing of the staircase, at the top of which Raoul appeared, holding fast by the balustrade. The girl continued to walk on. He followed her. She entered a chamber. He did the same. As soon as he was fairly in the net, he heard a loud cry, and turning round saw at two paces from him, with her hands clasped and her eyes closed, that beautiful fair girl with blue eyes and white shoulders, who, recognizing him, called him Raoul. He saw her and divined at once so much love and so much joy in the expression of her countenance that he sank on his knees in the middle of the chamber, murmuring on his part the name of Louise. Huh. Montelais, Montelais, she sighed. It is very wicked to deceive me so. Who, I, I have deceived you? Yes, you told me you would go down to inquire the news, and you have brought up Monsieur. Well, I was obliged to do so. How else could he have received the letter you wrote him? And she pointed with her finger to the letter which was still upon the table. Raoul made a step to take it, Louise more rapid, although she had sprung forward with a sufficiently remarkable physical hesitation, reached out her hand to stop him. Raoul came in contact with that trembling hand, took it within his own, and carried it so respectfully to his lips that he might be said to have deposited a sigh upon it rather than a kiss. In the meantime, Mademoiselle de Montalais had taken the letter, folded it carefully, as women do in three folds, and slipped it into her bosom. "'Don't be afraid, Louise,' she said. "'Monsieur will no more venture to take it hence than the defunct King Louis the Thirteenth ventured to take billets from the corsage of Mademoiselle de Hautefort.' Raoul blushed at seeing the smile of the two girls, and he did not remark that the hand of Louise remained in his. "'There,' said Montalais, "'you have pardoned me, Louise,' for having brought monsieur to you and you monsieur bear me no malice for having followed me to see mademoiselle now then peace being made 
let us chat like old friends present me louise to monsieur de bragelonne monsieur le vicomte said louise with her quiet grace and ingenuous smile i have the honor to present to you mademoiselle or de montalais maid of honor to her royal highness madame and moreover my friend my excellent friend raoul bowed ceremoniously and me louise said he will you not present me also to mademoiselle oh she knows you she knows all this unguarded expression made montalais laugh and raoul sigh with happiness for he interpreted it thus she knows all our love the ceremonies being over monsieur le vicomte said montalais take a chair and tell us quickly the news you bring flying thus mademoiselle it is no longer a secret the king on his way to poitiers will stop at blois to visit his royal highness the king here exclaimed montalais clapping her hands what are we going to see the court only think louise the real court from paris oh good heavens but when will this happen monsieur perhaps this evening mademoiselle at latest to-morrow montalais lifted her shoulders in sign of vexation no time to get ready no time to prepare a single dress we are as far behind the fashions as the poles we shall look like portraits of the time of henry the fourth ah monsieur this is sad news you bring us but mademoiselles uh, you will be still beautiful that's no news yes we shall always be beautiful because nature has made us passable but we shall be ridiculous because the fashion will have forgotten us alas ridiculous i shall be thought ridiculous i and by whom said louise innocently by whom you are a strange girl my dear is that a question to put to me i mean everybody i mean the courtiers the nobles i mean the king pardon me my good friend but as here every one is accustomed to see us as we are granted but that is about to change and we shall be ridiculous even for blois for close to us will be seen the fashions from paris and they will perceive that we are in the fashion of blois it is enough to make one despair console yourself mademoiselle well so let it be after all so much the worse for those who do not find me to their taste said montalais philosophically they would be very difficult to please replied raoul faithful to his regular system of gallantry thank you monsieur le vicomte we were saying then that the king is coming to blois with all the court mademoiselles de mancini will they be with them no certainly not but as the king it is said cannot do without mademoiselle mary mademoiselle the king must do without her monsieur the cardinal will have it so he has exiled his nieces to brouage he the hypocrite hush said louise pressing a finger on her friend's rosy lips bah nobody can hear me i say that old mazarino mazarini is a hypocrite who burns impatiently to make his niece queen of france that cannot be mademoiselle since monsieur le cardinal on the contrary 
has brought about the marriage of his majesty with the infanta maria teresa montalais looked raoul full in the face and said and do you parisians believe in these tales well we are a little more knowing than you at blois mademoiselle if the king goes beyond poitiers and sets out for spain if the articles of the marriage contract are agreed upon by don louis de haro and his eminence you must plainly perceive that it is not child's play all very fine but the king is king i suppose no doubt mademoiselle but the cardinal is the cardinal the king is not a man then and he does not love mary mancini he adores her well he will marry her then we shall have war with spain monsieur mazarin will spend a few of the millions he has put away our gentlemen will perform prodigies of valor in their encounters with the proud castilians and many of them will return crowned with laurels to be recrowned by us with myrtles now that is my view of politics montalais you are wild said louise and every exaggeration attracts you as light does a moth louise you are so extremely reasonable that you will never know how to love oh said louise in a tone of tender reproach don't you see montalais the queen mother desires to marry her son to the infanta would you wish him to disobey his mother is it for a royal heart like his to set such a bad example when parents forbid love love must be banished and louise sighed raoul cast down his eyes with an expression of constraint montalais on her part laughed aloud well i have no parents said she you are acquainted without doubt with the state of health of monsieur le comte de la fere said louise after breathing that sigh which had revealed so many griefs in its eloquent utterance no mademoiselle replied raoul i have not yet paid my respects to my father i was going to his house when mademoiselle de montalais so kindly stopped me i hope the comte is well you have heard nothing to the contrary have you no monsieur raoul nothing thank god here for several instants ensued a silence during which two spirits which followed the same idea communicated perfectly without even the assistance of a single glance oh heavens exclaimed montalais in a fright there is somebody coming up who can it be said louise rising in great agitation mesdemoiselles i inconvenience you very much i have without doubt been very indiscreet stammered raoul very ill at ease it is a heavy step said louise ah if it is only monsieur malicorne added montalais do not disturb yourselves louise and raoul looked at each other to inquire who monsieur malicorne could be there is no occasion to mind him continued montalais he is not jealous but mademoiselle said raoul yes i understand well he is as discreet as i am good heavens cried louise who had applied her ear to the door which had been left ajar it is my mother's step madame de saint remy where shall i hide myself exclaimed raoul catching at the dress of montalais who looked quite bewildered yes said she 
yes i know the clicking of those patterns it is our excellent mother monsieur le vicomte what a pity it is the window looks upon a stone pavement and that fifty paces below it raoul glanced at the balcony in despair louise seized his arm and held it tight oh how silly i am said montalais have i not the robe of ceremony closet it looks as if it were made on purpose it was quite time to act madame de st remy was coming up at a quicker pace than usual she gained the landing at the moment when montalais as in all scenes of surprises shut the closet by leaning with her back against the door ah cried madame de st remy you are here are you louise yes madame replied she more pale than if she had committed a great crime well well pray be seated madame said montalais offering her a chair which she placed so that the back was toward the closet thank you mademoiselle or thank you come my child be quick where do you wish me to go madame why home to be sure have you not to prepare your toilet what did you say cried montalais hastening to affect surprise so fearful was she that louise would in some way commit herself you don't know the news then said madame de st remy what news madame is it possible for two girls to learn up in this dovecote what have you seen nobody madame you talk in enigmas and you torment us at a slow fire cried montalais who terrified at seeing louise become paler and paler did not know to what saint to put up her vows at length she caught an eloquent look of her companions one of those looks which would convey intelligence to a brick wall louise directed her attention to a hat raoul's unlucky hat which was set out in all its feathery splendor upon the table montalais sprang towards it and seizing it with her left hand passed it behind her into the right concealing it as she was speaking well said madame de st remy a courier has arrived announcing the approach of the king there mademoiselles there is something to make you put on your best looks quick quick cried montalais follow madame your mother louise and leave me to get ready my dress of ceremony louise arose her mother took her by the hand and led her out onto the landing come along said she then adding in a low voice when i forbid you to come to the apartment of montalais why do you do so madame she is my friend besides i had but just come did you see nobody concealed while you were there madame i saw a man's hat i tell you the hat of that fellow that good-for-nothing madame repeated louise of that do-nothing de malicorn a maid of honor to have such company fee fee and their voices were lost in the depths of the narrow staircase montalais had not missed a word of this conversation which echo conveyed to her as if through a tunnel she shrugged her shoulders on seeing raoul who had listened likewise issue from the closet poor montalais said she the victim of friendship poor malicorne the victim of love she stopped on viewing the tragic comic face of raoul 
who was vexed at having in one day surprised so many secrets. "'Oh, mademoiselle,' said he, "'how can we repay your kindness?' "'Oh, we will balance accounts some day,' said she. "'For the present, be gone, Monsieur de Bragelonne, for Madame de Saint-Rémy is not overindulgent, and any indiscretion on her part might bring hither a domiciliary visit, which would be disagreeable to all parties.' "'But, Louise, how shall I know?' "'Be gone, be gone. King Louis the Eleventh knew very well what he was about when he invented the post.' "'Alas!' sighed Raoul. "'And I am not here. I, who am worth all the posts in the kingdom, quick, I say, to horse, so that if Madame de Saint-Rémy should return for the purpose of preaching me a lesson on morality, she may not find you here.' "'She would tell my father, would she not?' murmured Raoul. "'And you would be scolded. Ah, Vicomte, it is very plain you come from court. You are as timid as the king. Peste! At Blois, we contrive better than to do without papa's consent. Ask Malicorne else.' And at these words the girl pushed Raoul out of the room by the shoulders. He glided swiftly down the porch, regained his horse, mounted, and set off as if he had had Monsieur's guards at his heels. End of chapter 3 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia